If you have your Bibles, turn to uh, Deuteronomy chapter 6. This past year, really, since um, Dr. had a word on October 3rd, but he actually released it to the church body on October 11th, a year ago, which is tomorrow. And it was about this would be a year of abundant overflow. Amen. Some of those things that he said in that first word, first word he'd given us as a church, one was, you know, uh, remain strong and stay close to me. Talked about those that, you know, your faithfulness would come bursting forth, you know, your love and your obedience to me and and all these different things would fall into place. And and, um, I'm going to deal with some things concerning altars. And I've been talking the last couple, we've been talking about this is the ninth message talking about altars. The last couple of weeks, I focused on the fire of God. And I'm going to continue on that because it's up to us. It's our responsibility to keep the fire burning. This, this, this is, it's your responsibility. It's not your pastor's responsibility. Now, I'm going to fan the flames this morning. I'm going to blow on some coals of your heart this morning. And I believe that the Lord is depositing seeds within us, within us. And I believe that they're seeds of revival. And I believe that they're seeds of awakening. And, and so we, when we talked about this, this fire of God, and last week we talked about coming to the altar is about I decrease so he can increase. And we talked about how Moses, when he was on the backside of the desert in the wilderness, and he saw the burning bush, and it said he turned aside. Now, he said he turned aside and he looked at it. And what got his attention wasn't that the bush was on fire. What got his attention was the bush that was on fire and yet it wasn't consumed. Meaning this was saying, hey, this is something different. And why isn't it? Because he saw bushes on fire before in the, in the wilderness, in the desert. But there was something different because the fire wasn't going out. And so when he did that, he turned aside. And when he turned aside and he gave attention and he did this attitude of worship. <clears throat> it said God spoke to him. You see, it's this life at the altar. It's our saying, God, I give you attention. I give you my full attention. I give you all of who I am, all that I can, all, all, all my heart, all my soul, all my might. I give it all to you because it's in that moment. That's how you constantly live a life where the fires of your heart and the passion for God will continue to burn brighter and brighter and brighter. So let's look at Deuteronomy chapter 6. Verse 1 says, Now this is the instruction, the laws and the precepts, which the Lord your God commanded me to teach you, that you might do them in the land to which you go to possess it. Meaning, I'm teaching you these things now because you're going to step into another land and you step in this other land. That's how you're going to live in that land. I kind of look at this even as for us here, as we're down here on earth and, and we have the word of God and, 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 and we're, we're learning about God and, and what are we doing? We're learning about God. So when we step into heaven, we know how heaven, how heaven operates. And that's what they're saying. I'm instructing you right now. So when you step into the promised land, you know how to live. Amen. Amen. We, we need to know what heaven's like now, heaven on earth right now. And he says this, verse 2, that you may reverently fear the Lord your God. 
you and your son and your son's son and keep all his statutes and his commandments, which I command you all the days of your life that your days may be prolonged. So I'm going to give you this instruction and I'm going to give you these commands. And it's something that you will hold on to your entire life. It's not a, it's not just a one moment thing. It's something now you're ordering your life by this. Verse three, hear therefore, O Israel, and be watchful to do them that it may be well with you and that you may increase exceedingly. Mm. I mean, a lot of people like the sound of increase exceedingly. Wow. So these instructions that he's about to give here is going to be instructions not to put me in bondage. Some people have the idea that the, some Old Testament scriptures are bondage. But no, what he's sharing here is these instructions are going to cause you to increase exceedingly. As the Lord, the God of your fathers has promised you in a land flowing with milk and honey. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one Lord, the only Lord. And then he says this, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your mind and heart and with your entire being and with all your might. And these words which I commanding you this day shall be first in your own minds and hearts. Now, this is, this is something that's, that really got a, got a hold of my heart. I was reading this yesterday and, and, and how the Lord was instructing me. And he said, Justin, it starts with you. See, sometimes we want to tell everyone else what they're supposed to be doing. <clears throat> but he said, this is in your heart first. Why does it need to be in your heart first? Because you can't be example to the next generation if it's not in you first. You can't give something to someone else that's not in you first. You can't make eternal deposits on the inside of others if eternal deposits aren't on the inside of you. And he's saying this has to begin with you. This has to be your responsibility. And then he says this, and you shall teach them diligently unto thy children. And you shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up. Verse 10, and it shall be when the Lord thy God shall have brought thee into the land which he swore unto their fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give thee great and goodly cities which you did not build, and houses full of all good things which you did not fill, cisterns hewn out which you did not hew, vineyards and olive trees which you did not plant, and when you eat in our full. Meaning, meaning as you live this way, you're going to step into abundance, and it's things that you didn't even do. It was just things that God made ready and prepared for you. Thank you, Father. And then he says this, verse 12. Then beware, lest you forget the Lord who brought you out the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. You shall fear the Lord your God and serve him and swear by his name in presence. You shall not go after other gods, any of the gods of the people who are round about you. For the Lord your God is in the midst of you is a jealous God. Now think about this. He's, he's saying, Hey, if you do this, then what's going to happen is you're going to step into an increase exceedingly. But what is, what what is the, what was he say? But don't forget the Lord. 
See, it's so easy that, that when everything is going good in your life and, and you made that, that decision for Christ 20 some years ago and, and, and all of a sudden you saw God move rapidly in your life and God was moving in your life. And the next thing you know, all the, you kind of, you kind of put all him aside and you kind of forget about the Lord. You see, the altar is about loving God with all your heart, all of your might, your entire being. See, these were instructions to take them into abundance. But I, I, I've heard a lot of different teachings on grace. I've heard a lot of different teachings on these things that, oh, well, that's Old Testament and, and those types of things. And it's like, wait a minute, did God all of a sudden change? All of a sudden, does God, is God okay with other things having my heart? Is God all of a sudden okay for me to serve the gods that are around me? You know, it, it's just like, in Leviticus it says it's an abomination for a man to lay with another man. Now, did all of a sudden that not become an abomination in God's eyes? Selah. I, I mean, it's, it's, you have to understand God hasn't changed his heart for you. And it's not to put you in bondage. It's not to put, I, I see the 10 commandments are not 10, 10 principles of bondage for the new Testament believer. I look at the 10 commandments are principles and guidelines to bring abundance because the instructions were for me to increase exceedingly. Now, I'm so grateful that we live under a new covenant that I didn't have to bring a goat this morning and I didn't have to bring a sheep this morning. And I'm so grateful that Jesus took my place for me and, and, and is forever interceding for me. So I'm grateful that he sent the Holy Spirit. Now, the whole, now it's not about some 10 commandments on stone, but he took those commandments and now he burned them into my heart by the Holy Spirit. The law was never done away with. It was just now written on my heart. Now it's impossible for us to fulfill that law in ourselves. That's why we need the grace of God. The grace of God is not to cover up for my mistakes. The great grace of God is not to account for my disobedience. The grace of God is the empowerment that will cause me to live holy That's what people don't realize. They take grace as an excuse for sin. When grace is the ability to live above sin. And I'm not, I'm not trying to talk to you that I'm perfect and, and and we all have to come to this perfect status. That's not the point. The point is, where is your heart? Is your heart trying to figure out how much I can get away with and get in? Or is my heart saying, God, I'm all of yours. You have everything I am, my finances, my calling, my emotions. Everything I am is all yours, God. So you have to understand God's heart hasn't changed about his heartbeat. He's still a jealous God. Go read the book of James because James uses the very same scripture and that's New Testament. And James is the half brother of Jesus. Who pastored the church of Jerusalem. God doesn't want people to stay in bondage. And be okay with it. He wants people free. Because the word says the way of a transgressor is hard. 
No matter what lifestyle you might try to live and go after, there will always be a void on the inside of you that needs something more. Let's go to uh, chapter 11. Chapter 11. Verse 10. For the land which you go in to possess is not like the land of Egypt. The kingdom of God is not like the United States of America. But the land which you enter to possess, for, for the land which you go in to possess is not like the land of Egypt. From which you came out, where you sowed your seed and you watered it with your foot laboriously as in a garden of vegetables. See, there's a way to live in the world, but yet there's also a way to live in God. And living in God is so much better. He says, but the land which you enter to possess is a land of hills and valleys which drinks water from the rain of the heavens, a land from which the Lord your God cares. He, care, he cares about you. Look to your neighbor and say, he cares about you. And the land of which the Lord your God cares. Now listen, the eyes of the Lord your God are always upon it from the beginning of the year to the end of the year. His eyes His eyes are on you from the beginning of the year to the end of the year. It doesn't matter if there's coronavirus. It doesn't matter what things might be happening around us or what we might face or what disappointments we might experience. I have to know that as a child of God, as a believer, his eyes are on me from the beginning of the year to the end of the year. And if you will, verse 13, and if you will diligently heed my commandments which I command you this day. So what's the commandment to love the Lord, your God, and to serve him with all your mind and heart and with your entire being. And I will give the rain for your land in its season, the early rain and the latter rain that you may gather in your grain, your new wine and your oil. Wow, man. So something is going to happen at the altar. Something's going to happen with this heart that is loving God with all their heart, with all their might, all their soul, all their strength. What's going to happen? It says the rain for the land in its season. Verse 15, and I will give grass in your fields for your cattle that you may eat and be full. Take heed to yourselves. Now listen to this. Take heed to yourselves, lest your minds and hearts be deceived and turn aside and serve other gods and worship them. Now, take heed to yourselves. Meaning this is, this is something that we're always going to be on, on guard with, Dave, right? Take heed to yourself. Take heed to yourself. Take heed to what you're putting in your eyes, what you're putting in your ears. Take heed to what you're allowing to influence your life. Take heed to yourselves. So there's a reason why I need to take heed to myself because it says, lest your minds and hearts be deceived. And if I'm not letting God be the main thing and I'm letting something else be the main thing, then I'm opening myself up to be deceived. 
Because it says, take heed to yourselves so that you won't be deceived. And if you're deceived, then you'll turn aside and serve other gods and worship them. That word, that phrase turn aside in the Hebrew means to withdraw from the correct path. And the word worship here means to submit or bow down. So I could read it this way. Take heed to yourselves, lest your hearts be deceived and you withdraw yourself from the right path and end up bowing down to something different. Bowing down to what? A different altar. You see, whatever altar I'm at and whatever altar I go to is the altar that's going to be the most dominant in my heart. So the question is, is it going to be loving God with all your heart or is it going to be deceived and and allowing other things to take its place? Let's go to uh, Psalm 78, Psalm 78. This is a jumping shout message. I just believe me. It is a by faith. This is a jump up and shout message. Praise the Lord. Look at verse five and read the Amplified. It says, for he established a testimony and expressed precept in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, commanding our fathers that they should make the, the great facts of God's dealing with Israel known to their children. Now, he established a testimony and, and, he, and it Amplified defines that as a precept meaning it's something that you live by. It's a principle to you, the way that you live. So he established this principle on the way that you, sh- you should live. And he appointed a law to Israel and he commanded the fathers to do what? So they could make it known to the next generation. Verse six says that the generation to come might know them, that the children still to be born might rise and recount them to their children that they might set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, might keep, but might keep his commandments. So what is he saying? He's giving this testimony, and this testimony was for them to share it to the generation to come. The generation to come. Why would they share it to the generation to come? That the generation to come, verse 7, might set their hope in God and not forget the works of God. See, if I'm not sharing the precepts of God, then the next generation won't know how to experience God. If I don't share that God is a good God, then the next generation won't know that God's a good God. If I don't share that God is a covenant keeping God, then the next generation won't know he's a covenant keeping God. If, if this, if I don't know that, that God and talking that God is a healer, then the next generation won't know that he's a healer. So it's the precepts that I learned from God that I'm to share to the next generation that they might set their hope, their faith, the object of their affection on something greater than themselves. Verse eight, and might not, and they might not set, and they might not be as their fathers, a stubborn and a rebellious generation, a generation that set not their hearts aright nor prepared their hearts to know God and whose spirits were not steadfast and faithful to God. Wow. See, there's something about these principles that we're to be talking about. There's something about these principles that we're sharing because why? So the next generation can set their hope in God 
And then it says that they might not be like their fathers that were stubborn. See, your mother and father could have been stubborn, (laughs) but it needs to change with you. See here, God gave them precepts, but after a period of time, they no, no longer live by them. So here we're getting another, in, we're getting some other information that, Hey, you got to stir these precepts up. We have to talk about these testimonies. And it said that it said that the generation that set not their heart to write, what I'm doing as a pastor this morning is, is I want us to set our heart aright. And then it says, prepare their hearts to know God. I want our hearts to be prepared to know him, to pursue him, to run after him. And whose spirits were not steadfast and faithful to God. I want our hearts to be steadfast and faithful after God. Let's go to Psalms 119. Psalms 119. So we see some of these things in Deuteronomy. We see it in Psalm 78. Now let's look at Psalms 119, verse 1. Blessed are the undefiled in the way. In that word undefiled, it is the same word that we just saw before, upright. Their hearts weren't upright. Blessed are the undefiled in the way who walk in the law of the Lord. So blessed. You like the word blessed? I like the word blessed. I'm blessed. But there's a qualification here. It says, blessed are the upright in the way who walk in the law of the Lord. Verse 2, blessed are they that keep his testimonies and that seek him with a whole heart. A whole heart. So there's a blessing on the person whose heart is upright. There's a blessing on the person that is pursuing after God. Now, I'm not referring to trying to earn blessings from God. But there is, needs to be a heart of the believer in the believer that has a reverence for him. Let's go to Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. Thank you, Father. Look at verse 49. Read this in the Amplified. And this is the song of Mary. For he who is almighty has done great things for me. And holy is his name. Wow. For he who is almighty has done great things for me. And holy is his name. Amplified says to be venerated in his purity, majesty, and glory. Verse 50. And his mercy, his compassion and kindness towards the miserable and the afflicted. Now listen. Is on those who fear him. Wow. And his mercy is on everyone. No. Does it say his mercy is on everyone? It says his mercy is on those 
who fear him with godly reverence from generation to generation and age to age. Now, we know his mercy is made available to everyone. But the only way to receive his mercy is when you surrender to him. The mercy is available. His mercies are new every morning. But what if you're constantly rejecting his mercy? See, this mercy is available as we have this this respect and this honor that we have for God. You see, this loving God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. We we know this in the New Testament. Jesus said it several times. They asked him, what is the greatest commandment? And and, and, in Luke 22, in Mark chapter 12, he says, what, to love God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself? On this hang all the law and the prophets? Meaning it wasn't being done with, done away with it. Just everything is boiled down to these two principles. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. I mean, but understanding if, if you don't know that God loves you, you'll never be able to love him. And if you don't love him, then you'll never be able to love what he loves. And that's people. So this whole aspect of loving God with all of our heart is for him to come on the inside of, uh, on the inside of us and change how we think so we can affect the world around us. This loving God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength is to me, the heartbeat of our heavenly father. And it's not to put us in bondage. It's, it's to put us in the greatest places of freedom we've ever known. Let's go to John chapter four. In John chapter four, a familiar story with the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman. You know the story. Jesus is having a conversation with a stranger. He shows up and we know that he's hungry. He tells the disciples that we, we have to go through Samaria. We have to go through this. This is important. I have an assignment here. And he goes and he's sitting by this well. And this woman from Samaria comes up to him and she's by herself. And, and she, she's coming there and she's, she has her bucket with her. And she, and she lowers the bucket down. And Jesus starts talking to her and, and says to her and says, give me a drink of water. And, and, and Jesus said, well, if you have known who, who you're with, you would have asked me for living water. Long story short, he says, he, he goes on and he said, and she goes, give me this water. I mean, I want this water. I don't want to have to come here all the way to, to draw and give me this water. And immediately after that, he, they go on and she starts uh, talking about things. And, and she says, give me this water. And he says, go, go get your husband. And And she goes, well, sir, I've had five husbands. And he goes, yeah, and the one you're living with now is not your husband. And she she says, I perceive that you're a prophet. (laughs) You know, I I think there are some aspects. A lot of times in our hearts, we, we want to have conversations with God. But do we allow that conversation to change us? I had conversations with God a lot of different times throughout my 28 years of 
serving God, but have I followed through in what he was telling me in the conversation? Because, see, what I do in the conversation with what he's telling me determines what I'm worshiping. You see, this really, this whole conversation was about worship. She had been worshiping relationships her entire life. Trying to find value, trying to find significance. And we live in a world today where everyone's trying to search for their significance. That's why there's so many letters of an alphabet trying to d- describe identities. There's like 60 different letters to describe different identities and comes down to, you're just confused. And the Bible says where the enemy is, there's confusion in every evil work. So if you're confused about your identity and who you are, I said this a few weeks ago, you know, I said, you know, people in in our day and age, they want to talk about science. Well, you need to go by the science. Well, we have people today where they want to go by science only when it's convenient for them. But let's, let's talk about identity for, for a moment. Let's, and let's deal with science. No matter what you might add to your body, take off your body, what you might want to do or what you might become. If I do a blood test on you, you're going to have an XY chromosome or an XX chromosome. It doesn't matter what you do. So let science prove what you are. So it doesn't matter what you might feel. It's who you are. But see, it it, it comes down to what am I worshiping? What am I giving my life to? And this woman had been giving her life to so many different things. And all of a sudden, so she wants to talk, talk about worship. And she goes, you Jews say worship on this mountain, which was Mount Moriah. And, and, and we worship on this mountain. That's Mount Gerizim. And that's where they thought the, these different things happen in Scripture. And so here now it's a religious thing. And, and so Jesus says this to her. For the sake of time, let's look at verse 23. A time will come, however, indeed is already here, when the true genuine worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeking just such people as these, as his worshipers. I love how Jesus doesn't say God. He says, when the true worshipers will worship the Father. Wow, this is a whole, everything up to this time was all about God. But yet Jesus says the Father. Meaning this is something personal. This is something intimate. This isn't just about a religious thing. This is about having intimacy with the creator. Worship was about all these different things, but now the father's looking for worshipers that will worship in spirit and in truth. Verse 24, God is a spirit and those that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. The woman said to him, I know the Messiah is coming and he was called the Christ, the anointed one. And when he arrives, he will tell us everything we need to know and make it clear to us. So she's saying, "Okay, the Messiah is going to come and she's going he's going to make it clear. Then what is next thing? Jesus said to her, I who now speak with you am he. Meaning I'm making it clear. Don't that let, don't let there be any confusion about worship. 
I'm making it clear. The Father is looking for worshipers that will worship in spirit and in truth. That word spirit is from the same phrase of loving God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. The Father's looking for worshipers. Now we think of worship, we think of the slow music during service. Okay, we had the fast music, that's praise. Okay, we're going to do worship now. I'm not trying to make light of that. I'm just, but understand their concept of worship was killing something. Their, their aspect of worship was something that was costing them something. It was something that was of financial value. It was something of material value. It was something way beyond. So when he's looking for worshipers that will worship in spirit and in truth, he's looking for someone that will love, will give all their heart, their soul, their mind, and their strength, and in truth. How do you worship in truth? The word truth comes from a word meaning not concealing anything. Meaning not holding anything back. To worship God, to love God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength and not conceal anything. Look, I remember sitting in church and hearing the pastor talk and I'm right locked into what the pastor's saying until he started get stepping on my toes. I was locked in. Yeah, yeah, pastor. Yeah, pastor. But, but then he started talking about giving. Ah, wait a minute. He started talking about, well, things I needed to give up or things I needed to get out of my, okay, all right, God, you can touch these areas of my heart, but don't touch that. Don't touch my sports. Don't touch my music. I mean, think about it. We, we, we want God in all of our other lives and we'll allow him into the things that are comfortable. But, but when there's some things in the back of your heart that you've not told anyone or let anyone else know, those are the areas he wants to get in. So that's what a worship, he's looking for true worshipers that will worship in spirit and in truth. I mean, it's like, I'm giving God everything I have and I'm not concealing anything. You know why when you, we conceal things? Because the Bible says, if we, I think it's First John 2, I think the last verse. He says, if our heart condemns us, we don't have confidence before God. And as long as we don't let him into those other areas of our heart, we'll never truly have full confidence in what God's called us to do. Because there'll always be something in the back of your heart saying you can't because of this. Because, and the enemy will use those things. It's not God using those things. It's the enemy using those things that bring shame and guilt and fear and condemnation. All the while God's wanting to lay hands on the sick and see them recover. But when you go to lay hands, the enemy's reminding you of how bad you are. Because you haven't allowed God to touch the areas of your heart. Worship is about allowing in. That's what the altar is. And that's what the fire burning bright in our heart is all about. It's allowing him to touch areas of our heart that we won't let anyone else in. Look, I know people, I know people in your past might've hurt you. Maybe pastors that have hurt you. Mistakes you've made that no one else know about, but I want you to know that God's not condemning you. 
All he's saying, I just want all of you. I want every part of you. Thank you, Father. Faith. We're a faith church. And sometimes we, I think we look at faith as this object or a tool. And there's aspects in the scripture. But you have to understand faith in God is birthed out of my relationship with him. And my faith will only rise to my life of worship. Let me close with this. Go to Revelation chapter 1. You're receiving something this morning. Like I, I believe that I'm sowing seeds of revival and I'm sowing seeds of awakening. Thank you, Father. Now, the very first verse of Revelations 1 says, The revelation of Jesus Christ. So, what is it? Revelations is not some spooky, weird book. Yeah, there's a lot of concepts in it that might be interesting and, 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 and grass and concept, but people make it super deep when all the while at the very beginning it says it's a revelation of Jesus Christ. Verse 8 says, I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord which is and which was and which is to come, the Almighty. I, John, who also am your brother and companion in the tribulation and the kingdom, and patience of Jesus Christ was in the isle that the isle that was called Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus. Say for the testimony of Jesus. So ultimately, he's here because of the testimony of Jesus. Now hold hold that thought. He says, "I was in the spirit on the Lord's day and heard behind me a great voice as a trumpet." saying, I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, which thou seest, write in a book and send it unto the seven churches where in Asia, where in Asia <coughs> excuse me, unto Ephesus, unto Smyrna, unto Pergamos, unto Thyatira, unto Sardis, unto Philadelphia, and unto Laodicea. And I turned to see the voice that spoke with me, and being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks. Candlesticks have fire, right? In the midst of the seven candlesticks, one like unto the Son of Man. Now here, you got seven candlesticks, and this is the seven churches. So we don't need to be super spooky on what these seven candlesticks are. Okay? They're churches. That's all. They're churches. It's like, oh, a candlestick. No, they're the churches. There's just something. Oh, there's a candlestick on the stage. It must be something about. No, they're churches. Okay? Some people get spooky with some stuff. All right? And I turned and I saw the seven candlesticks and in the midst of the seven candlesticks, one like unto the son of man, clothed with a garment down to his feet, girt with paps, which uh, golden girdle, his head and his hairs were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were as a flame of fire and his feet like unto the fine brass as they were burning in a furnace and his voice as the sound of many waters. And he had in his right hand seven stars out of the mouth went a sharp two-edged sword and his countenance was, was as the sun shining in its strength. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet dead and he laid his right hand upon me saying unto me, fear not. I'm the first and the last. I am he that liveth and was dead and behold, I'm alive forevermore. Amen. 
and I have the keys to hell and of death. Write the things which thou hast seen and the things which are and the things which shall be hereafter. The mystery of the seven stars, which thou sawest in my right hand and the seven golden candlesticks. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches and the seven candlesticks, which are thou sawest are the seven churches. Now let's go to Revelations 19 for the sake of time. Now, this is a revelation of Jesus, and it's the testimony of Jesus. And so I really want you to sum up what this book, book of Revelations, is all about. Revelations chapter 19. He says this, Let us rejoice and shout for joy, exalting and triumphing. Let us celebrate and ascribe to him glory and honor, for the marriage of the Lamb at last has come, and his bride has prepared herself. She has permitted and dressed in fine, radiant linen, dazzling with white, for the fine linen is significant, signifies and represents the righteous, the upright, just and godly deeds and conduct and right standing with God of the saints, God's holy people. Then the angel said to me, write this down, blessed, happy to be envied are those who are summoned, invited, called to the marriage supper of the lamb. And he said to me further, these are the true words. The genuine, exact declaration of God. Now think about it. the true words and the exact declarations. Now, before I, before I finish this out, understand, what did we talk about in Deuteronomy? Instructions, testimonies, laws, precepts. We saw that in, in chapter 6, chapter 11, Psalm 78, Psalms 119. We know Jesus gave commandments. Jesus instructed worship. So these are the genuine, exact declarations of God. Verse 10. Then I fell down at his feet to worship. To pay divine honor to him. But he restrained me and said, refrain. You must not do that. I'm only another servant with you and your brethren who have accepted and hold the testimony borne by Jesus. Wow. Now get this. This is the exact declaration of God. And he says, I'm going to give you this exact testimony of God. What is the testimony? Worship God. The testimony of Jesus. What is Jesus declaring to us at the end of the book here? What is, what is Jesus speaking to each one of us this morning? The declaration, the testimony is worship God. What is Jesus speaking to us from heaven today? Worship God. So this loving God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength isn't, isn't just a New Testament commandment, but is the testimony of Jesus for us today that our main focus of anything else is to worship God. Amen. Let's go to the last chapter, chapter 22, <clears throat> for the sake of time, verse 7. It says, Behold, I'm coming, spe-, verse 7, I'm, Behold, I'm coming speedily. Blessed is he who observes and lays the heart and keeps the truths of the prophecy, the predictions, the consolation, and the warnings contained in this book. Now think about it. He's lay hold of it. Because blessed is the person that lay holds of, holds of this. Verse 8. And I, John, am he who heard and witnessed these things. And when I heard and saw them, I fell prostrate before the feet of the messenger who, bowed, who showed them to me to worship him. 
to worship him. But he said to me, refrain, you must not do that. I'm only a fellow servant. See, this angel is giving a messenger and he bows down to the messenger and, and, and the angel says, don't do that. I'm a servant. Now, get this, this is what this word sermon is. I'm a worshiper just like you. He's saying, I'm a worshiper. Just, I'm not to be worshiped. I'm coming from heaven. And I'm a worshiper just like you. Wow. And with your brethren, the prophets, and with those who are mindful in practice, the truths contained in this book. He, he really sums the whole Bible up ultimately. The prophets. Everything, the same, the same aspect. Those are mindful of and practice the truth contained in, in the messages of this book. And what's the message of this book? Worship God. Whether we're talking about the book of Revelation or whether we're talking about this book, the message is worship God. And when we worship God, it's not earning increase. When we worship God, we, he puts us and works in our lives and we will see increase. And he will take us from glory to glory. That's increase. Increase. Glory to glory. So see, the altar is a place where the fire of God is. The altar is a place where we decrease so he can increase. And the altar is a place where we worship God. And it's the only thing that we will do forever. So often we can get caught up on what we're called to do, our purpose in life. Well, pastor, what am I called to do? And, and the Lord told me this years ago because I had that same pressure leaving Bible school. I went to Bible school. What am I called to do? You know, what? I got I to gotta, I gotta tell some people some great story of what I'm called to do. And all the Lord told me was to serve Jerry Savelle. I didn't know what that looked like or what that meant. But he said, Justin, he, said, he, he told me this. It stuck with me and just close with this thought. He said, Justin, if you take care of your eternal call, I will bring about your earthly call. Amen. Worship me and you will step into the fullness of your earthly call. Father, we thank you for your word today. And we thank you for the challenge that it brings. You told us in Timothy, you said all scripture is given, is God breathed, is given for instructions in righteousness, inspiration and correction. So, Father, I thank you for inspiring us, leading us into this life of worship. Because as we live this life of worship, we will demonstrate it to the next generation. Hold out your hands. Let's repeat this after me. Heavenly Father. Heavenly Father. I am a worshiper. I am a worshiper. I choose. I choose to worship you. To worship with all of my heart. With all, of my heart all of my soul. All of my, soul, all of my mind. All of my heart, and my strength. And my, strength and my entire being. And, my entire being, and not hold anything back from you. I love you, Father. Thank you for the work that you began in me. And the work you'll complete in me.
Thank you for the testimony of Jesus. That it will become my testimony. And that's worship God. In Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. You receive that word today. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. We praise you, Father. We praise you, Father. Thank you, Father. We praise you. We glorify you. Hallelujah. Thank you that we are stepping into the fruits of revival. We're stepping into an awakening. We're stepping into greater things, Father. So we'd make those adjustments in our heart. That this is a place that this, this heart of ours, this church of ours, we be set ablaze with the glory of God, the anointing of God, and the fire of God. And we will change our community with it. In Jesus' name. Amen. So throughout today or this week, just remind yourself when you wake up, and say, my testimony is worship God. It's who I am. It's what I do. I'm a worshiper. Mm. Thank you, Father. Now, thank you, Lord, for the word. Mm. Thank you, Father. We glorify you. We praise you. Mm. We love you, Lord. We praise you, Father. Mm. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. If you need healing in your body, just stand to your feet right where you are. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. We praise you, Lord. Hallelujah. You have a sharp pain in your back right side right here, and you kind of worry that it's something with your kidneys. Just stand to your feet. Thank you, Jesus. Praise you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Mm. Hallelujah. Just someone that's around them, just place your hands on them. You have the fire of God in your in your belly, in your hands. Release the word on the inside of you, over them and in them. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Father, I thank you for your anointing that restores, your anointing that makes new, your anointing that brings recovery. Recovery, recover, 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 recover quickly. Recover quickly, recover quickly. Hallelujah. Just, just almost like, just like the anointing, just... Just coming over you, just like a warm blanket coming over you right now. Each one of you watching my way of internet from home, just right now, the anointing, it just hit, just coming on you in the top of your head and just as a warm blanket coming over you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. We thank you for it, Father. Hallelujah. Oh, Father, I come against hopelessness. Hopelessness. You have to leave right now. Hopelessness, you have to go. 
Torment, you have to go. Torment, torment, you have to leave. Those condemning thoughts, you have to go right now in the name of Jesus. If you've been tormented in your thinking, just stand to your feet right now. I just, <coughs> just release the grace of God over you right now. Hallelujah. That you no longer think on those things, but you think on things that are just. You think on things that are lovely. You think on things that are a good report. If there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Hallelujah. Paul said, rejoice again and rejoice again. Again, I say rejoice. Rejoice. And again, I say rejoice. Hallelujah. As you rejoice, as you rejoice, torment has to leave. As you rejoice, hopelessness has to go in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. I declare hopelessness broken over you in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Let the peace of God come. And the peace of God come. The peace of God come. The peace of God come. That peace that passes all understanding. That peace that garrisons about our hearts. Peace. Peace. someone here and it could be more than one, but there's someone here that you've been thinking about having an affair and you've, you've started out little by little with, um, going to certain apps and you've been entertaining and entertaining and, and you've, you've kind of set some things up, but yet you, you, then you, but then you stop and then you, the, you, you, you erase it or you end it. But the Lord wants to saying that from this day forward, you have to make a decision to not go there because it will cost you your family. And this is this is a warning. It will cost you your family. That's a word of that's a that's a word of knowledge. The gifts of the Spirit are sent to cause the church to profit, to increase. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Praise you, Lord. Mm. Mm. Say, show me your glory. Say it again. Show me your glory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Praise you, Father. Praise you, Father. We glorify you, Lord. We magnify you, Lord. We magnify you. We praise you, Lord. Hallelujah. Mm, thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Breaking every chain, every yoke. 
Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Pastor Carla, do you have anything? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. There's a great battle in the earth to steal our peace. There's a great battle in the earth to steal our joy. And I was just sitting over there listening, and the Lord kept saying in my heart, the battle is waxing hotter and hotter. Mm -hmm. But he said, I've already won the battle. Thank you, Father. I've already won the battle. Right, right. So whatever battle you're in, my dear ones, Mm -hmm. whatever battle you're in, no matter how dark it may seem or impossible your victory looks, the Lord has already won your battle. Amen. Your battle, the Lord has won the victory. Yes. And so don't weep. Don't mourn. Right. And do not fear. For the Lord your God will bring you into victory. Amen. So lift up your heads. Thank you, Father. Lift up your voices. Thank you, Father. And begin to shout, I have the victory. I have the victory. I have the victory. victory. I have the 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 victory. victory. We praise you, Father. Now, Father, I pray for everyone within the sound of my voice that you would impart a supernatural strength. Thank you, Jesus. To stand and shout the victory. Yes, Father. In the face of every adversity. Yes. In the face of every lie of the enemy. Thank you, Father. In the face of the deceit of the enemy. Right. Give your people a shout of victory. Thank you, Father. In the face Hallelujah. of the enemy. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Praise you, Father. Glory to Hallelujah. your name. Thank you for the victory. Hallelujah. Thank you for the victory. Hallelujah. We praise you, The Lord you, Father. wants to turn your mourning into joy. Right. Your fear into laughter. Yes. Your anxiety into peace. Yes. My peace I give unto you, saith the Lord. Yes. Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. You know, Isaiah 26 says, perfect peace. Perfect peace have they who keep their mind stayed on thee. Amen. Worship. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. God is good.